I'm Scott Kerr, and you're listening to Facing the Giants, a podcast where I speak to today's luxury entrepreneurs about taking on the Goliaths of the industry. My guest on Facing the Giants is Barnabas Carrega, CEO and co-founder of GR8 Experiences, an international agency that provides ultra-high net worth individuals access to unique once-in-a-lifetime experiences. GR8's portfolio of events may include a private dinner at the Palace of Versailles or an exclusive culinary experience hosted by world-renowned chef and restaurateur Massimo Bottura or access to the best parties during Paris Fashion Week. As the company puts it, dream it or live it. Welcome, Barnabas. Hi, Scott. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm so happy you can join me. So I think a great place to start is right from the beginning. So prior to launching GR8 Experiences with your partners, can you talk a little bit about your professional background? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually had a semi-professional tennis career uh, before starting the company. Um, I actually started the company in my last year of college. Hmm. So it's kind of a unique, fun story, but... um, The way it kind of started for me was I went to uh, work on an internship at Wembley Stadium um, and I got to see firsthand the power of experiences uh, through something that I actually was personally involved with uh, for for a client there who uh, they ended up doing this this amazing experience for where his son got to kick penalties against the the national goalkeeper of England at the Mm -hmm. time. And I remember the impact that this had on the father and the son and the memory it created. And that kind of sparked uh, my interest in building a business around once in a lifetime experiences. So that's really how it all started. Uh, But I was still in my last semester of college when I first started uh, the company. So my professional career uh, begins really with with GR8. And how did you get your partners together? Uh, I sat everyone down on my, my tennis team. So I was part of the tennis team at University of Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. And I sat my friends together and I said, look, I have this idea. I think it's a really powerful, uh, unique concept uh, in building, you know, unique experiences, once in a lifetime experiences. Um, this is, you know, what I experienced at Wembley. Uh, what do you guys think? And so at the beginning, uh, sitting at the table were eight friends, uh, me and seven other friends. And so we we decided that we wanted the number eight to be in the name of our company. That, that's uh, how GR8 uh, kind of started. From there then, you know, once it got serious, once it started kind of uh, developing into a real company, we ended up being four original founders and, uh, and the rest is history. So that's, how, that's kind of how it began. The intense global demand for travel experiences that resonate on a deeper emotional level has been going on for a while now. We've seen travel brands responding by developing services that are more adventurous, more personalized, and more attuned to local culture, inspiring consumers toward a path of self-discovery. What need does GR8 fill in the travel market? So I think you you said it best. It's it's become a not just a trend. It's almost become a need uh, within you know the the space of of the luxury industry and and in general with high net worth and ultra high net worth clients. Post pandemic, it's kind of become uh, something that we we almost have a physical need to explore the world, to go out there and 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 live experiences because we don't know when the next pandemic might be. We don't know if we're going to be shutting our houses again for a year or however long it is. And so I've seen a massive shift in mentality from uh, pre-pandemic where it was kind of like, you know, a a commodity or something that people 
found interesting to a physical actual requirement need for people to travel and, and experience the world. And so what we do is we focus on uh, gaining access to the inaccessible. That's one of our, our key uh, kind of factors at GRA. It's trying to get our clients behind the scenes doing really special, unique things that are just not available to the public or things that you can just find online. Um, and and uh, obviously that entails a whole level of, of, of services and relationships that we've built over the years. But uh, examples of this are, you know, shutting down some of the most important institutions in the world, uh, some of the most important cultural institutions. So we've done a lot of work with the Louvre and we've done a lot of work with Versailles and we've done a lot of work with, uh, you know, the, the different institutions in, in Italy and, and other countries. And I think the, the need we feel is really building memories of a lifetime for uh, discerning clients that are looking to experience the world in a different way and really kind of garnering this access to things that uh, are, are just not accessible because you can pay for them. They're accessible only through the relationships that GR8 has built over the years. There are other companies similar to what you do. You know, what makes you different from other event and experience companies who are all about exclusive access, once in a lifetime memorable experiences, et cetera? It's a great question. So I think what really differentiates us is that we are a one-stop shop for ultra high net worth clients looking to experience the world. And what I mean by that is that we're very diversified in the experiences we offer. So we're heavily involved in the world of sports and fashion, destination experiences, cultural, uh, culinary, um, you know, you name it, we've pretty much done it. And I think that there are very few companies out there that have the variety of services and experiences that we offer. Usually a lot of our competitors are more focused on uh, specific events or specific sectors. You know, you have your sports travel companies, you have your destination management companies, but it's rare to see a company like Jerry that covers all of the above and really facilitates uh, these types of experiences across the board. So we're very global. Uh, we have a presence in Europe. We have our headquarters are in Miami. We have a presence in Asia. So we cover pretty much kind of geographically all of the territories in the world where these types of experiences take place. So I think that's really something that sets us apart. And then I would say in general, the other thing that sets us apart is uh, our team um, is very hands-on, very on the ground in offering and delivering the services that we provide. So you know, a lot of companies are, you know, American companies or European companies. We're really a global company. So you're traveling with local experts, right? So if you're going to Asia, you're not just going to Asia with an American company. You're going to Asia. You're there with someone who understands the local culture. You're, you're there with someone who's locally present and making sure that, uh, that the experience is being fulfilled in the most authentic possible way. So I think that is really and the things that set us apart as a business. Let me take just one of your more recent events that you put on at the Formula One Grand Prix in Miami this past May. It was the uh, Once Upon a Kitchen Epicurean Experience hosted by world-renowned chef Massimo Bottura. Is Once Upon a Kitchen Experience exclusively produced by GR8? Yes, that's right. So I think one of the things that we're trying to accomplish now as we grow the company is uh, to create our own events, to create our own uh, IP and our own content. 
uh, our first kind of event that we own as a brand is is Once Upon a Kitchen. We started it in 2017 uh, with Massimo Bottura. Uh, we did it at Ellis Island. It was it was really magical because um, you know we had a hundred guests. Uh, we had Massimo prepare dishes that were uh, inspired by the original menu that Ellis Island offered uh, immigrants um by an italian chef so it, it was you know very well thought out uh ellis island of course you know having a private dinner there was you know you had goosebumps and we had Chaz palmentary kind of presenting and talking about mm. uh, his life and his connection to ellis island as well so that inspired us to do it on an annual basis and we've been doing it ever since we had to take a pause obviously during covid uh but it's an amazing experience because you get to see these chefs uh in their prime you're, they're not just cooks, right? You know, when you're going to these th three Michelin star restaurants, you don't really get to experience what the chef's personality is like, what they enjoy, how they interact or uh, or engage with guests. And we break those barriers and really make sure that the chef or any talent that we involve in, in the event is, is fully immersed and engaging, uh, going from table to table, talking to our guests, explaining why they came up with that dish, the history of their uh, of their cooking, their inspirations, et cetera. So, um, you know, we, we really wanted it to make it as immersive a culinary experience as you could. And that and that's our first effort in really branding our own event. And we we are now launching uh, a whole segment of uh, GRA owned events. So, you know, we have our own yacht in Monaco during the Formula One. That's something that we started last year. We're launching our very own golf tournament. So it's something that we're trying to really develop and build uh, you know, going forward. And your services have both signature experiences under various categories like culinary, fashion week, music, sports, and others. And you also have bespoke experiences that the consumer can create with you from scratch. Which is the bigger share of your business right now? That's a great question. I it's really 50-50 because some of our clients already know exactly what they want. They contact us, they say, Hey, I want to go to a tennis tournament, or I want to go to a Formula One event, or I want to go and visit Italy and experience, you know, Rome in the most exclusive, unique way. And then we develop and customize the experience based on their interests and passions. We make sure that we have a dialogue with our client and we end up kind of finalizing that based on what the client already knows they want. Uh, and then other times we have clients who are passionate about things, but don't necessarily know what they want. And they ask us to come up with the creative uh, side of things in, in building that experience. So it's, uh, you know, I would say maybe it happens a bit more often that our clients tend to know what they like and, and then we're customizing an experience from there. Uh, but we love also getting creative and putting our thinking caps on and saying, hey, okay, let's get to work and let's build something that is totally unique uh, that we think this client's going to love based on the conversation we've had. So uh, we get to do both and both are very enjoyable processes. So the itineraries that are in the signature experiences, are they predetermined packages or are they just like frameworks that the customer can kind of play with? That's right. They're frameworks. So they're, you know, they're template offers that we give as an inspiration. Um, I will say one thing about us that's very unique is I don't think we've ever offered the same experience exactly as it is twice. 
So our clients really get to play with uh, all of the components that are part of our signature offers. And that has to do with, uh, you know, as simple as how many days do you want to be in a place? How many events do you want to attend? How many, if it's a sporting event, how many days do you want to go to that sporting event? Uh, to, you know, are you looking to include certain things that are maybe not part of the signature offer? So they get to play and continue to customize that experience until it really matches their their interest and what they're looking for. So um, it is rare that our clients buy our signature offers, as you call them, um, because in the end, our clients are, are, are the kind of the kind of clients who really uh, like making sure that whatever they're buying fits exactly what they have in mind and, and, and what they're looking for. So, yeah, the, the, it's uh, there's always a customization process in, in every experience we offer. And if I want to craft a complete tailor-made experience, how does the conversation start with you? The first thing we try to gauge is the passions uh, of, of the clients. So understanding their passions is, is the first key component in making sure we know how to navigate then building a bespoke experience from scratch. Um, so it, it's really a conversation. It's, it's a dialogue to understand uh, what they like, what they don't like, um, you know, what their family likes to do. Uh, if it's a corporate client, if there's a mission or a vision behind why they're buying that experience. So that's, that's really kind of the, the, the key determining factor for us to then go and do our jobs in the best possible way. Um, and then from there, uh, obviously, we try and define uh, specifically, you know, what events or experience they might want to uh, to look at building. But again, we kind of have this motto. We've had it for many years. It's, you know, if you dream it, we can build it, right? Our, our tagline now is dream it or live it because we're kind of, we're trying to evoke uh, uh and and be be a little bit you know uh engaging with our clients in 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 getting them to dream with us and so we've had all sorts of requests you know from hey can i land a fighter jet onto an aircraft carrier to can i meet the pope to can i play tennis with Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal uh to can i you know shoot hoops with LeBron James we get all of these types of requests that are completely out of the box and unique. Um, and that's, uh, that, that's really fun uh, for us to do, obviously, and to get involved in. So when do you say no, you can't? So th there are times we say no. Um, I think whenever we feel that we're not in total control of what we're offering, wherever we feel that uh, something that is being requested is not totally... Uh, within our moral standards, uh, you know, we, we, we try and avoid anything that is, you know, related to, you know, animals and big game hunting and, and, and things like that. Just from a, from a moral standpoint, we, we, we say no from that perspective. And then we also say no if we feel that we're not bringing enough value or it's something that is without, uh, you know, outside of our capabilities. Uh, we've gone to a point now, we've been doing this for over 13 years where that's rare. Um, because the relationships and the network we've built has gotten us to a point where we really, you know, it, it's one of those things where we're one, two phone calls away from pretty much being able to accomplish anything you can dream of. But there are times where if uh, if we're not comfortable or if we feel that we can't accomplish what the client's asking for, 
uh, will turn down uh, an event or an experience. Um, and then there are times maybe where uh, certain requests don't really match the type of uh, company we are. So if, if someone comes to us and just says, hey, I'm looking for uh, just tickets to a sporting event or restaurant reservations or more concierge type requests, uh, that's really not what we do. And uh, and so we shy away from those 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 types of requests because we know we're not the best partner for that type of request, if that makes sense. In a world where the experience phenomenon is becoming ubiquitous for most ultra high net worth consumers, how do you elevate your offerings to meet their expectations of a truly rarefied experience? So we are always on the lookout for new partners, new ideas, new concepts, uh, building constantly our network of relationships so that we continue to develop new experiences. Um, for example, lately we have received uh, a very high volume of requests related to adventure experiences. So we are in the process of developing an entire category of adventure related experiences with, uh, you know, whether that's going to uh, Iceland and doing, you know, really uh, kind of out of the box, uh, adventurous type uh, things around a destination, or whether that's working with uh, a personality that uh, is adventure driven that you might see on TV. Uh, we're, we're constantly on the lookout to build our inventory of experiences and uh and that's really what we what we try and accomplish on a daily basis we we're never we never want to stop learning we never want to stop uh developing new and exciting experiences that our clients can get involved with we're seeing that tv and movie themed travel itineraries are having a new intensity you know call it hbo's white lotus effect spiking searches for travel to Italy and selling out stays at the Four Seasons San Domenico Palace, which was featured in season two of the show. But it's not just White Lotus, it's other people's favorite fictional worlds. Are you playing in that set jetting space? Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you say the White Lotus because we recently created an itinerary for a client and we called it the White Lotus Experience in Sicily. So Sicily is is a is a destination that's very dear to my heart. It's where I got married, ah. <laughs> but it's also it's also just a a glorious you know area of Italy that is starting to get rediscovered, especially from uh, international travelers. And uh, the access we have there is is very unique. So we 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 developed an itinerary that was based around the locations uh, of the White Lotus, and then we added our own tweaks and our own little. Uh, caveats to make it even more exciting and unique but uh yeah it, it, it's amazing what a netflix show for example can do right chef's table uh regenerated the entire culinary industry uh the reason we actually started doing once upon a kitchen uh is because a corporate client of ours said hey i just saw chef's table i really want to do a private dinner for some clients at Massimo Bottura's restaurant. That's how we started the relationship with Massimo. And it was because of the Netflix show. So you're totally, you know, dead on on that. It's, uh, it's having a massive impact. Uh, and, and we love playing around with things like that. For example, we have a, a program in Paris, we called midnight in Paris, which was inspired by the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, you know, we, we, we do enjoy kind of getting involved in those types of uh, concepts. We're also seeing a growing number of affluent American visitors choosing ultra-luxury rail travel across Europe and Asia and other continents. It's a slow pace, and you feel like you're part of a bygone era of old-world opulence, taking nostalgic routes from you know Paris to Istanbul. Why do you think there is a sudden appeal for the golden age of travel? You know, that that's a great question because um, we've actually received a huge amount of requests around building programs for the Orient Express, uh, La Dolce Vita train, which is a brand new train uh, that's uh, been developed in Italy. Uh, like you said, there there are incredible trains uh, in, in Asia. I think it's just a very special way of traveling and people are kind of um, really trying to rediscover discover the authenticity behind traveling in that way. So I'll give you an example. We uh, developed an experience uh, where we privatized the Orient Express. This was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sorry, last year. We developed a fully immersive murder mystery on board of the Orient Express for a corporate client of ours where you didn't know when you first got on the train, you didn't know whether you were speaking to another guest or whether you were speaking to an actor. Um, the point of this trip was to re-evoke the 1930s and really immerse the clients in what a trip in those years would have felt like with obviously a fun, exciting uh, murder mystery component as part of it. But, you know, we had a, a jazz band that was uh, that played only 1930s music. Everyone we asked all the guests to dress in 1930s clothing. We had magazines printed out that uh, that were magazines that, you know, that were officially uh, released in 1930. So it it seems to be a bit of a trend of trying to go back to uh, the authentic way in which people used to travel in luxury, right? Uh, so it, it, you're right. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic way of doing it. And I think the the other really special uh, side of traveling on a train, especially if your mission is networking is that you really get to spend time with people. Uh, you converse, you have dialogue. Um, you know, in, in this world today, everything's so fast paced. You're going to a sporting event, you're going on a trip for three or four days. You know, you're moving from place to place that you, you don't have an instant to stop and think. While traveling in this way, you're kind of disconnecting from the outside world and you're allowing yourself to be immersed in, 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 uh, in in a in a slightly more slow pace uh, experience where you get to actually develop relationships, so we we feel that from a corporate side, it's becoming a huge trend wanting to do that type of experience. Are you seeing any other trends, you know, in terms of types of experiences people are seeking that might be a little bit offbeat? I think that uh, not necessarily in the sense that we we're so diverse in our offerings that we constantly get all types of requests. I would say lately sports related travel is becoming huge again. Um, we're receiving huge amounts of requests for the Olympics. Uh, we received an immense amount of requests for the rugby world cup finals, mm -hmm. um, you know, all sorts of sporting events, tennis events. So I think, you know, definitely seeing a, 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 an upswing in, in sports. Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
That's an interesting question. I don't know if I can answer that specifically. I I think that maybe um in general what what it is is that sports sporting events are shifting a little bit in their mentality around how they uh do hospitality. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing this for example in Formula 1 a lot. Uh, the investments that are being made in the paddock clubs, in the hospitalities in general being offered, in the events that are being offered around the Formula One uh, uh, race uh, is just increasing to a point where you're getting to experience maybe an event that has been going on for 50, 60, 75 years, but it has a whole new way of of, of being experienced now because of all of the developments, all of the investments. So, you know, if you're someone who maybe went to a sporting event like uh, Monaco Grand Prix, Monaco Formula One 20 years ago, if you go today, you're going to have a completely different experience. So I think maybe it has a little bit to do with how much money is being invested in hospitality around sports and how clients are kind of getting their interest reignited by that fact. Do you ever take feedback from one of your clients and apply it to other experiences? All the time. It's, I think it's a, it's the only recipe for success in our industry. Our clients are, you know, all sorts, sorts of people, entrepreneurs, captains of industry, uh, experts in their fields, but also very savvy travelers, people who have experienced the world. So the only way that we improve is if we take on board our clients' feedback and make sure that we continue to improve. And so, yeah, we, we value our clients' feedback immensely. I think it's it's part of what makes us uh, continuously trying to grow and improve uh, our offerings um, is the relationship we have with our clients and also allowing our clients the platform for them to really feel that they can be honest with us and, and give us that feedback, right? Because sometimes... Uh, you have clients who stay silent and then they'll complain after or they'll say, hey, I would have changed this or I would have changed that. But we really try and, and develop the type of relationships with our clients where they can be uh, very straightforward with us and tell us you know, how they think we could have improved or done a better job. We have a 90, close to 95% uh, return rate in, in our client base. So, um, you know, it is very rare that we lose a client after they've experienced uh, working with us. Uh, but really, you know, the, the feedback is, is very valuable to us. So we've spoken about the real world, and now I want to talk about the virtual world. More than ever, traditional business industries from automotive to fashion are evolving their brand stories and jumping into the next frontier of storytelling, connectivity, cross Web3, NFTs, and the metaverse decentralized users from all over the world are now connected through the metaverse, through moments like events and airdrops and experiences, et cetera. How is GRA thinking about Web3 and creating unique experiences in the metaverse, or is that not part of your world yet? So I, I think that I have two answers for that. One answer is we have thought about, you know, how can we engage with the kind of new clientele that's coming through the digital world. And, and some of those experiences could be things like having a Zoom session with Massimo Bottura, who teaches you how to cook one of his signature dishes from Osteria Francescana, right? 
So we've we've thought about developing concepts that can go within that platform. However, um, one of our kind of key, let's say, uh, beliefs that we're trying to adopt and continue to develop is the fact that the more digital we get as a community and as a as a society, the more need we have for real experiences and for human touch and for you know. Uh, getting to actually spend time with people and so it's uh it's a double-edged sword because from one side i i do see the potential of of working within that space and from the other side i also want to uh convince and continue to uh develop uh, our clientele uh, in a way that they get to experience the world in a very real way so it's it's really kind of trying to balance those two acts. But from my standpoint, I actually see more and more value for companies like GRA uh, in building authentic, real experiences because I feel that newer generations, as they grow into our future uh, kind of ultra high net worth clients, uh, are going to need that human element and that real experience even more than our current clients because we're losing a little bit of that uh, through through all of these different uh, digital platforms and and ways of communicating. So that's kind of my my view. I I think there's a there's a great future for companies that actually keep it very real and 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 authentic. So looking forward, how do you plan to grow the GR8 brand, and what do you want the business to look like five years from now? I think you know we are investing a lot in growing uh, in different ge geographical areas of the world where we feel there's a lot of potential for, for what we do. Um, right now, we're investing a lot in the Asian market where we, we're building an office and we're going to be having an office in Singapore soon. We've, we've, uh, we've really uh, engaged with that community um, and becoming more and more of a global company, obviously, is one of our goals. I think that the natural evolution of our business and how we grow the brand is to own our own events. And that's kind of in line with what we were discussing before with Once Upon a Kitchen, with our golf tournament, with um, you know events like Monaco Grand Prix, where we have our own yacht uh, in the port of Monaco there for the Formula One race. So anything that we can own and brand GR8 is really how I see us uh, growing the business in the future. And that's not to say that we won't continue to facilitate, uh, uh, you know, the types of experiences that our clients ask for now that are not owned by GR8. So that's our core business. But really, in, in growing the brand, that's that's how I see the evolution of of GR8 in, in the future. Barnabas Correga, CEO and co-founder of GR8 Experiences. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate your time.